can be seen through the shell. Again, in the Klippus Naga, the luminescent shell, it is shining with light. It is a glow. Why is it luminescent? Because the spark of God within shines through the shell, like the sun's rays shining through clouds. But when the clouds are really thick and they totally obscure, they're totally opaque and block the spark of God, then you've got the th three clippers, the three totally unclean, unholy, evil shells, which completely conceal the light of God. So what you have is total self-centeredness. And one of the definitions of evil in Kabbalistic terms, in the terms of the Tanya, is that which is egocentric, that which is arrogant, that which has a sense of self that's inflated, that denies the existence of God. It's a sense of self, I am all that exists. I am and there's nothing else. Which is almost the opposite of God, right? So that's real evil, Shalish Klippis. And why is that? Because in the, those physical phenomena, whether be they unkosher animals, prohibited plants, fruits from the first three years of a tree, anything that's forbidden for human consumption to a Jew, anything which is not kosher, any act will learn which is not kosher. So all of those things derive their energy from the three clippers, which means that those things have an energy that is totally self-centered. It's only me. Nothing else but me exists. For the divine spark within them, and everything must have a divine spark, even evil, even three clippers, the three shells. Otherwise, they could not exist. But it doesn't shine through. The divine spark in the three clippers is completely eclipsed. It's total concealment, and that's total um, shechina, divine presence in exile. Because the spark of God is completely buried in the clipper. And you can't get, you cannot, therefore, extract the spark of God because there is a process of extraction, of distillation, where you separate the spark of God from the clipper, you return the spark of God to its source, and in clipper, the, sp the sparks that exist within clipper come from a very high source, which is a subject for another time, but the general rule is the higher something is, the lower it falls. So if you imagine a very tall wall, the higher up on the wall that a brick falls, the further away from the wall it falls. That's physics. Same thing is true spiritual. The higher something originates in holiness, when it falls down into clipper, the further down it falls. So that the sparks of God that are buried and bedded in the three clippers are actually the very lofty, sublime level. Just like you see sometimes in Hasidic stories, very lofty souls who get lost to Judaism end up in a very low situation and in many such stories and they become Bali Tshuva and they come back and the Tzaddikim target them because they're very high souls and because they're very high when they assimilate and get lost they fall very very low in Klippa so that the sparks of God 
contained in the three clippers are actually very high sparks. But you, can't, you don't have access to them because you can't even see them. They're totally buried, concealed in the three clippers, which is why those food items, be the animal, vegetable, that come from the three clippers, you know, an unkosher animal, a donkey, a horse, a dog, a chazer, they cannot be elevated. And that, that will be related to the Hebrew word prohibited, forbidden, as we'll see a little later in the chapter, because it means imprisoned. The spark is imprisoned in the clipper. You cannot extract it. You cannot distill it. You cannot separate it. So you cannot go mining for sparks of God in three clippers. However, the fourth clipper, the clipper that has, that is luminescent, that glows with light, it's glowing with the light of the spark of God that shines through the clipper. Now, it's mostly clipper because most things in our world are a clipper. But there is a spark of God. It's not as high and lofty spark as it is contained in the three clippers, but it's a spark of God. And this spark of God is closer to the surface. It's like the shell that's immediately around the fruit. It's right by the fruit. So you can extract this spark of God, this nitsutz. And of course, that's part of the journey. We come to this earth to interact with certain physical objects in order to extract the spark of God contained in the physical, return the spark of God, thereby elevating the physical object and ourselves as well. Because there's an energy we release when we turn the spark of God. Because remember, all sparks containing clipper come from a high place. Okay, And so that, that area of the universe that is sort of neutral ground, it's neutral ground in the sense it can go up, it can be upgraded, elevated into the realm of actual Holiness, Kiddusha, or it can be degraded and can descend into actual evil, into the three clippers, and it becomes imprisoned. So it's neutral ground in a sense, because it can go either way. Now what will determine what will determine the direction of that clipper? If you eat, so first of all, it's got to be clipper snaga. The material you're using has to be elevatable material, material that's subject, physical objects that are subject to elevation. That is, the spark of God can be released, can be separated from the clipper. So that's got to be clipper snaga. But that, so it's exclusively the domain of clipper snaga that can be elevated that has a spark of God visible. That's why it's shiny. It's close to the surface. You can access it. You can re release it, separate it from the clipper and elevate it. So what if we were to make a division? We could make actually a table, maybe next time. What comes from three clippers? What what? Objects, creatures in the universe come from Klippersnoiga. So we went through the list of three Klippers in chapter 6. So now we're going to go through Klippersnoiga again, quickly. So what comes from the luminescent shell that can be elevated? That is, it has a spark of God that is visible, that is evident. It has some good close to the surface, so you, it, you can elevate this you can transform this into something holy. Or to use the language of Maimonides that we studied last week, you can eat for the sake of heaven. 
Your deeds can be in the, for the sake of heaven. L'shem Shemaim. You can do this to serve God. Eating to serve God. Sleeping to serve God. So he lists a number of things in the universe where the life force is directly from Klippus Noiga. That is, it can be elevated. So first of all, within the Jew, there is a fundamental difference between the Jew and the rest of humanity in terms of our very humanity. We both share a soul which makes us human. We call it an animal soul because it has selfish, instinctive, animalistic drives, but it's that soul that gives us physical life, vitality to the body. It's located in the blood. Like it says, for the soul is in the blood, the animal soul, the vital soul, the soul that gives us vitality, physical vitality. And we share that with all humanity. All humanity has an animal soul. It's a soul that gives us life, that animates the life force of the physical body. The difference is that the righteous gentle Gentiles, which are a minority, but there are righteous Gentiles, chasidei umas ha'olam, pious Gentiles, who follow the seven universal principles given to Noam, and they're monotheistic, um, ethical human beings, they have the same animal soul as that in the Jew. And that is a soul that comes from Klippus Noiga. So the good is more evident. This animal soul, the good is evident in the animal soul of the Jew and in the animal soul of the righteous Gentile. In what way is it evident? So the spark of God is visible. What way? So that you have manifest good in a Jew, even on a human level. Even as a result, so he can be a secular Jew. But his natural soul has good character in it. And so is that, that is also true of a righteous Gentile. So, for example, we learned in the second chapter of Tanya that the good qualities was the end of the first. The good qualities in a Jew, such as compassion and kindness, that disposition that Jews have towards compassion, the Rachmanim, Gemlechasodim, actively kind, always giving charity. This is, that is the evidence of the divine spark, the good inherent in the animal soul of the Jew. How can good be evident in Klippa? Because it's Klippa's Naiga. It's the shell in which good is evident. And the same would be true of a righteous Gentile. That they are capable of doing good. Even as human beings. Even before they become religious. And do it for serving God. Okay, Jews can be charitable and compassionate and have nothing to do with religion. Religion is all separate thing. That's when you begin to serve God. Okay? There are people who give, donate money for hospitals, for zoos. It has nothing to do with serving God. It's just a natural goodness that occurs within the Jewish animal soul. We're not even talking about the godly soul. Godly soul is something altogether different. You see, the goodness that we're capable of as a function of our humanity, our animal soul, our natural soul, is the goodness which comes natural. In other words, you're programmed to do that. So in truth is, you don't really get credit for it. Because you're born with that software. If you're a Jew, you have within you installed software that makes you, if you're a healthy Jew, compassionate and kind. So it's not really to your credit. It's not even a choice, really. It's something that happens naturally. Now, if you are a person 
So at what point do you serve God? Which is another subject which Yalta will pit, take up later on, but I'm mentioning it now just to help you understand the idea of the animal soul. At what point are you serving God? When it's difficult. The Alter will have a whole chapter on this later on. In other words, if you like giving charity, and there are some people who are generous by nature, because although all Jews have this, some have it more, some have it less. Everyone's different. So if you're someone who by nature you have an abundant love for giving charity, then in a way, you're not serving God. Because serving God means struggle, overcoming your nature, resisting your nature. If it is your nature to give and be good, then you are not serving God. So let's say you love giving stocker. So you give 180 a month, whatever it is. It makes you feel good. You're in your comfort zone. And it's a good thing. It could even be a mitzvah. But it's not serving God. Because there's no struggle. Let's say somebody comes along and says, I'd like you to commit to $500 a month. And that hurts. That goes against the grain. You don't want to do that. You're not com- That's way past your comfort zone. When a Jew struggles and overcomes his nature and does something that goes against the grain, that's when he begins to serve Hashem. And as it says in the verse, and again, the Altair will come back to it later on, I see the difference between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. It's a verse. You can do something good and not be serving God. And that's because you've got a good soul. And that's true of everything. Like today's Ayayim Yoyim. So there was a story that Tzemach Tzedek, where a Jew came to Tzemach Tzedek and said, what was the exact words he said? Something along the lines, um, Rabbi, give me a, a bracha, help me. I don't want, I don't, I'm, I'm, what can I do that I, I don't want to learn Torah? I don't have to drive. Give me a blessing. So the Tzemach Tzedek said to him, and what should I do that I want to learn Torah? What did the Tzemach Tzedek answer him? The guy was complaining that he has no motivation to learn. It doesn't come natural to him. He naturally likes serving Facebook, watching a movie, going vacation, not sitting and learning. Tzemach Tzedek said, and what should I do that I naturally love? In other words, Tzemach Tzedek was saying, you're lucky. It's not your nature to learn Torah. So every page where you fight with your nature and you do learn, you're serving God. How lucky you are, said the Tzemach Tzedek. Whereas me, I love to learn Torah. So for me to get to the level where I'm actually serving Hashem, I got to learn incredibly more than I'm used to. So Sebach Tzedek, you understand, was a guy who learned 20 pages of Talmud a day. Or 50. So for him, if he was used to doing 50 pages or 100 pages a day, if he continues on that level of 100 pages of Talmud a day, you would say, oh, wow. He's serving God. No, he's not. He's doing what he's programmed to do. And sometimes we can we can learn a new habit. We program ourselves so that now, at one point I was studying 10 pages a day. Then I went up to 20. Now I'm up to 100. Well, now 100 pages a day, once you're used to it, and you're comfortable with it, and it's second nature, it's no longer serving God. Not that it's not a good thing, but you're not serving Hashem, because there's no struggle anymore. So that's what the Sabbath told him. How lucky are you that you don't want to learn Torah? Every page you study, you're serving God. Whereas me, I can learn 101 pages just to begin serving Him. 
Everybody follow the concept. Okay. So that's the animal soul in the Jew and the animal soul in the righteous Gentile. But for the rest of humanity, it's total ego, total self-centered, total me. And that comes from the three clippers. From the clipper, which is clothed, that's see in the Jew, the the uh, the soul that's in the blood, that is from Clippus Niger. So that's one thing from Clippus Niger, which means that a Jew is a, the animal soul. Of the Jew can be elevated. It doesn't have to remain Clipper. If you study Torah, and you teach the animal soul Torah, so it understands. So that the intellect of the animal soul enters into holiness. And if the animal soul understands the greatness of God and becomes and in, in the heart of the animal soul is ignited a love of God, then the emotions of the animal soul enter into the realm of holiness. It could be upgraded. But at the same time, it could also be downgraded. So what else comes from clippers? What else comes from the fourth clipper? The clipper that can be elevated. Two, the souls of the animals, uh, beasts, birds, and fish, everything that's kosher. All those things you can eat, their life energy originates in a clipper, but a clipper which can be elevated. So a kosher apple, a kosher piece of meat, if you eat it to serve God, it enters, it becomes like a sacrifice to God, like a carbon in the temple, as we'll say in a moment. Three, what, what else comes from Klippus Lager? The existence of vitality of the entire inanimate and entire vegetable world, which is kosher. Now in the inanimate, Rocks, mountains, they're all, you can't make that unkosher. And naturally occurring phenomena like mountains and hills can't become objects of idolatry. A tree which is planted, it's different than Asherah. And all plants which are vegetable world, which are kosher. So if it's not sabbatical, which is prohibited, None of the prohibited tithes that you have to give to the Levites and coins. And if it's not the th fruit, the forbidden fruit of a, of a fruit tree for the first three years, every other vegetable, vegetation, fruit, which is kosher, its life energy comes from klippus meaning you can use it to serve God, you can elevate it, and it can elevate you. You can be elevated because your soul, your, your animal soul is from Clippus Lega. And you can elevate it because its energy is from Clippus Lega. What else? Number four. Okay, so the existence, vitality of every act, every speech, every thought in mundane matters that are not forbidden by the Torah, but at the same time, are not for serving God. Like Maimonides said in the chapter we studied last week, as the introduction, if you sleep just because you're tired, nothing wrong with that, but it's clipper. Clippus noiga, it's not forbidden, but you didn't elevate it to serve God. You eat to keep the body healthy, that's Klippus Niger, so long as it's not forbidden. You're eating kosher food. But you're eating for the needs of the body. Okay? So it's not for a whole, not for a, you're not, we're not talking about eating lustfully for the pleasure of food. You're eating for health. But you're not eating to be healthy to serve God. So it's not L'Shem Shemayim. So anything that you do, anything that you say, Anything that you think, you know, you have a conversation. But it's not 
for a higher purpose. It's not to serve God. Uh, so long as it's not forbidden, it remains in Clippus Noiga, the fourth clipper, which means it's neutral. It's neither unholy nor holy. When they are not performed for the sake, oh, here's, the, here's the big condition as we saw in that chapter by Monday that we studied. When does we say that all the acts, speech and thought, um, which is kosher, is not, is clipper, belongs to the fourth level of clipper, when they are not performed for the sake of heaven, but only by the will desire of the body. It's almost, it's echoing the Alter Rebbe, it's echoing almost verbatim what Maimonides wrote in the chapter, if you recall, from last week, who said that if I eat and I sleep just to maintain the health of the body for the sake of the body, I'm not serving God. And that's not proper to do, but rather I should maintain the health of the body, eat a good diet, exercise, all of that, not just to maintain health of the body for the sake of the body, but in order to serve God. And then he quoted the sages, all your deeds for the sake of heaven. That's exactly what the Altab is saying here. You, you did something, you said something. It wasn't unholy. It wasn't, it wasn't Lashon. You didn't do anything forbidden by the Torah. You didn't say anything forbidden. It wasn't gossip. And you didn't think anything forbidden. Jealousy, hatred. It just was mundane. Neutral. Not holy, not unholy. But it was not L'shem Shemaim. It wasn't for the sake of heaven. Right? It was just for the will, it's desire of the body. Like the Brahman said, he did it only for the body, not for the soul, not for a higher purpose. So it, did, it wasn't elevated. So the Ram, this chapter 7 is literally a paraphrase of Maimonides' laws of good character. And he says, and even where it is a need of the body or of life, but this intention is not for the sake of heaven, that is to serve God. All these are utterances and thoughts, etc., no better than the animal soul itself. Again, as the, as the Maimonides said, even if you're keeping, you're maintaining good health, a good lifestyle, you're eating good, you're following a good diet, eating nutritious foods, you're following the Rambam's guideline to food, what you should eat, when you should eat, how much you should eat, how much you should sleep, when you should sleep, exercise, you're following all of the, you're living, as he said, by Rafua, the medical advice that I gave you, but you're doing it solely for the good health of the physical body, with no regard to the inner soul. So you're living a superficial life. You need to live a life on the inside, for the inner soul. Or in the words of the Rambam, all, the, all, you, all your deeds for the sake of heaven. It's exactly the words of the Alter Rebbe. Right? You, to, you, even if you did it for the body, says the Alter we're not talking about what you ate for lust. Because that is no longer neutral. If you actually have, eat only for the pleasure of the body, self-indulgence, that degrades even kosher food to the next level, to the bottom level, to the three clippers. That's, that you demote. Says the Alter, even if you didn't do that, it's just that you did it. What did he say? Um, you did it even it was to, for life it was essential you got to eat to live right? it wasn't just because you were hungry you're eating to maintain the body eating for life it's, it's an essential 
activity. You got to eat, right? But, however, there was something missing. As Maimonides said, you did, you're not, didn't have the intention for the sake of heaven. And again, what does it mean for the sake of heaven? He defines it, that is, to serve God. Same words Maimonides used. You're not exercising to serve God. You're not sleeping to serve God. You're not eating healthy to serve God just for the body. Then all of these things are no better than the animal soul itself. Just as the animal soul itself is clipper, which means it's not holy. So all these things, which you had an opportunity to elevate and make them holy, you miss the opportunity. And they're no better than the animal soul itself. And actually, to some degree, they're worse. And all these things flow and are derived from the second level in the clipper and Sitrachim, namely a fourth clipper, which we call Clippus Noiga. Now, the redeeming fact is that even if you if you ate for to maintain the physical body, not because of pleasure lust, you ate because you got to eat to stay alive, right? You exercised for the body. You, you ate healthy food for the body, and you forgot about the soul. But since number one, your soul is klipasnoya. The food you ate is klipasnoya. Why? Because it's kosher. Then you can recapture that spark. You can elevate it again later. If you eat again something else, with, and you eat for the sake of heaven, that intent can elevate all the energy that you've got in your body, even the one that you ate when you didn't have the right intention, when you didn't eat to serve God. Why can it be re-elevated? Because it never went down to the three clippers. It only goes down to the three if you eat for pleasure and lust only, or if it's forbidden. It's non-kosher. So as long as you didn't eat it for pleasure only, and so long as it's kosher, it can come back. It's redeemable. That's what he's going to tell us. Oh, and by the way, how much of the world is clipper? Belongs to the shell or the husk. The Yaltenebah makes it very clear. Shouldn't be. A, by the way, anyone have any questions on what we learned so far about all those things that come from Clipper Snyga? And the basic dynamic of how it can be elevated. We've got to continue in a yes. minute. I have a question, Rabbi. Sure. So that it, it really depends on the the intellect, then. Yeah, on the, the intent. Intention. Spheres of Kochma, Binadas, and Malchus to make it happen. Knowledge, as the Ramam says, that your knowledge you're connected to God by your your knowledge. The more knowledge you have. Of God, the more awareness, the more conscious you are of God, the more connected to God you are. Maimonides said. And in a sense, the Altab is saying the same thing. Because the direction of all of these activities depends entirely on the intent. The intent can elevate it from an ordinary, mundane act into something holy. So if I say, I'm going to go to I'm going to sleep for God. Then I've made it holy, or do I say the correct? I say the, the, the no, but you, you know, if if you if in your mind, everything that you do, you are a servant of God. Everything that you do is to enable you to serve God better. That's why you have to be healthy, because as we said last week, a little hole in the soul is a big hole in the body. If you're unhealthy, said Maimonides, how can you serve God? If you got headaches. Migrate, you can't study Torah. If you've got anxiety, you can't study. You need a peace of mind. So everything that you do, even in the realm of good health, exercise, 
diet, all the physical is directed to a higher purpose. And you go to sleep not just because I'm tired of going to sleep, because, you know, it's like a, a faithful worker, right? Work ethic is a very, it's a biblical concept we learned from Jacob, work ethic. So one of the laws of law, law of, of uh, one of the laws of uh, work ethic is that you can't go to sleep too late if you've got to be on the job tomorrow. Especially if you're a teacher. Talmud mentions a teacher that's considered a serious matter, uh, a breach of faith, if you go to sleep late, because then you have no strength and energy and patience for the students. Okay? So what do we do? We go to sleep automatically. We go to sleep because... I'm going to sleep because i got to go to work tomorrow, right? Everyone tells me, oh, i got to have an early night. How many times you go to somebody's house for a visit, a party? Oh, i got to go to sleep. i got to work tomorrow. It's a work day, right? So we, we train ourselves mentally that we're disciplined, that I'm going to sleep for work. Well, you can do the same thing. I'm a Jew, and I work for God every day. I'm never off duty. It's not a nine-to-five job. It's a 24-7 job. I am a servant of God. I work for God. Sunday through Shabbos. Or Shabbos through Sunday better. Right? And therefore, to be able to, to go to work tomorrow to serve God faithfully and with you know sound mind and a healthy body, i got to go to sleep. I'm going to sleep so I can get up for dominion. I'm going to go to sleep so I can understand, so that I can focus and concentrate in my morning class that I have when I study Chumash Rashi or the Talmud or whatever I'm studying. And that simple mindset, says Maimonides, and the altar is echoing, elevates everything that you do from a mundane act to a sacrifice to God. Choice is ours. Clear, everyone? Hey. Moving on. Okay. But I just thought it's fascinating. That's what we did last week. We studied that chapter of Maimonides to see the parallel. It's almost a paraphrase word for word. But the Aldrebbe is saying what Maimonides says in Kabbalist, Kabbalistic context. For in this, so, here's the question. If we were to divvy up, make a graph, it'd be cool if we did a graph here, but you know, it takes a lot of time to prepare these sheets. If we did a graph, we want to show how much of the world belongs to Clipper. Says the altar, you want to know? Let me tell you. For this world, the world of Asiya, now, we know you've got four worlds. Our world's on the bottom, and our world actually has two parts to it. It has an upper level and a lower level. The upper level is a spiritual realm. And it actually, in, this, in that sense, the spiritual realm of action, or the world of Asiya, is a continuation of the three higher worlds. Atzilazbriyatzira, Asiya are all one, one progression. Our physical world, it has the same name, the world of action, is in a completely different category. Okay? So Asiya has two parts. We're talking about the part that is physical reality. We call it the world of action. So how much of our world derives from Klippa. Almost all of it, says the Alt Rebbe. The Klippa Neuger, which is uh, the Klippa Neuger, which is bad. Uh, almost all of the Klippa, and almost all the Klippa Neuger, and most of Klippa's, what the Alt Rebbe is saying, sorry, is that in the world of, ah, okay. Let me explain to you a little bit what, it's, what, he's, what the Altar is saying. There is 
in each world of the three lowest worlds, not Atsilos, there exists some clipper. The difference is, what is the ratio of good to bad? So, in Bria, which is a holy realm, it's mostly good. Which means, whatever the clipper, whatever form the clipper is, it's mostly pervaded by the consciousness that there's nothing else besides God. Not as much as in the next, the higher world, but it still senses that God's the boss. And that's the predominant consciousness. And therefore, the clipper in Bria is said to be mostly good with a little bit of bad. A little bit of bad means there's already some degree of self-awareness, something that's separate from God, but not substantial. In the next world, Yitzira, the clipper, the, the ratio of good to bad is 50-50 because the sense of self-awareness is stronger in Yitzira. Now, it's neutralized by the awareness that everything is God. So it's not real evil yet. Can't be real evil. Because it's 50-50. It's just neutral. It cancels its... its can, the self-awareness of ego is cancelled out by the bitl. So it's not real evil. Evil is when you've got actual sense, awareness, separate from God. When you get to our physical world... The clippers, we're talking about the clippers noiga here. Clipper which has good in it. Because totally evil clipper only exists in our world. That doesn't exist in the other worlds. We're only talking about clipper which is good and bad together. What's the ratio? So the ratio in our world is 99% bad, 1% good. Almost entirely bad, says the altar. It's that spark of God, which is the chance that if we, that's the emergency. You can pull on that and you elevate the world. But if you don't, it remains buried. It's up to the Jew. The default state of the world is clipper, mostly clipper. To get to the spark of God, first of all, you can only get to it if it's clipper snagger. Remember, three clippers you can't touch. You gotta stay away from them. But clipper snaga, you can release the spark, and that elevates everything. And that's what we're doing here. We're in a we're here to collect the sparks. And the sparks embedded in every physical object. And for example. When you come along to a new to Oxnard and you say, Oh, I like this house. And you think you bought the house because it was close to the shul and, and your wife liked the, the kitchen and she liked the color of, of the of the of the of the how the light came in through the kitchen window. That's all true, but it's not true. That there are sparks of God in the physical material from which that house is built. And they belong to your soul. For every Jew has an area in the world which only they can elevate, which is why we're here. And every Jew has sparks of God which are assigned to us. And only on our watch can they be elevated. So the real reason you were attracted to that house is because there are sparks of God there which belong to your soul. When you walk into a store, you know, oh, I like that dress. I like the color, I like that. Yeah, that's your animal soul speaking. That's not the real reason 
Well, maybe for some people. But the, the godly soul is attracted because there is a spark of God there that you need to elevate. And that's true of food. The Baal Shem Tov said, when you eat an apple, and you see a nice juicy red apple, and you suddenly, you have an appetite for that apple, and you think it's because you're hungry, you're going to, Nafsham Bahem Tisatov, says the Baal Shem Tov. It's the soul telling you, I want that spark of God, it belongs to me. So now you want to eat that apple. It's coming from the godly soul. That's why we're here. And most of the world is clipper. But everything which is clipper, if it's clipper snoya, has a visible good in it, has a potential good, has a spark of God, which can be extracted. If it's clipper snoya, if it's the fourth clipper, then you can extract it. And you must. And that's why we're here, to extract the clippus noiga, the spark of God. Let's read that and we'll stop there. Okay. So, in the world of Asiya, in our physical world, the, rea- the world of where, where action is the reality, you do things, that's our world, almost all of the clippus noga is bad. By default. And it's just got a little minute spark of God. In the world of Yitzira, it's 50-50. In the world of Bria, it's 99% good, 1% bad. In our world, it's the reverse. And that's why this world is a struggle. Only a little good. We'll read one more part. And only a little good has been mixed within it from which come the good qualities contained in the animal soul of the Jew. As we said earlier at the beginning of the class, there is only one spark. So it's 99% clipper, 1% or less, spark of God. Now, how did this happen? That was the result, well, it's a long story, but part of it was the result of the first sin of Adam and Eve. It says he ate from the tree of knowledge, good and evil. He created a mixture of good and evil. Prior to the sin, the first sin, evil existed in one domain, and good in another domain. So Clipper was 100% bad. As a result of that sin, the sparks of God fell into our world, into Clipper, and were embedded in some Clipper, in Clipper and the, hence Clipper's Neuge came into existence. And you have a mixture. In our world, you have... A mixture of good and evil. What's the ratio? 99% bad. 1% good. And that's why this world is, it's a schwer, it's a difficult world. It's only a little bit of good. Now, in the Jew, that good is visible. It manifests itself in the good qualities that occurred in even a secular Jew. To be compassionate and kind, as I mentioned at the beginning of the class. So we got an understanding of the infrastructure of our physical world. How much of it is good? Very little. Good in the sense of conscious of its creator. Only the spark of God is conscious of its creator. The clipper, everything else on the outside, thinks it just, it just arrived yesterday. <clears throat> Not, nothing created it. I'm here. I was always here. God? What's God? 
That's the definition of evil. 99% was the default mentality, consciousness of this world. I'm here. I was always here. I don't need nobody. Who's God? What did Pharaoh say? Who is this God? I don't know him. That's the default position. It's Clipper. That's what Clipper is. A denial of God. Only the spark is aware of God. So comes along the Jew, takes the world, which by default is oblivious of God, and he wakes it up. He, he, he takes the world and he, and he utilizes in the service of God. Now the world, the physical world, the physical object, which is in itself a denial of God's existence, is now used to serve God. There's no greater tribute to recognize God's existence than that. And that's how you make a home, a dwelling for God here on earth. And on that note, we'll wish everybody, any questions on that? Yeah, Rabbi, yes. so on the dress and the apple, it's kind of interesting because it touches on what you spoke of earlier, what the altar of it said. So if the spark is in the dress, but my attitude is not spiritual, my attitude is, oh, look at that. I don't say it'd be good for Shabbos. I just say, I want that dress. Is that what happens to the spark? And it stays, it stays buried. Okay. And if you wear it for the wrong reason, you, you can degrade it. That's always the choice we have. We stand at the crossroads in every action, every thought, every speech. Will this be in the service of God? Or am I off duty and I'm thereby denying? And that's a sense of idolatry. What's idolatry? Alien worship means I'm serving somebody else besides God. So everything we do say or encounter in the world is an opportunity to serve him. And when we don't, that's in a sense a subtle form of idolatry. Because now we're serving something else. Ourselves, our own pleasure, whatever it is. But it's not Hashem. May we all merit to serve God. Even a little bit would be Amen. terrific. All of us. Have a wonderful evening. We'll meet back here to study the Pasha, God willing, tomorrow night, God willing. Wonderful, Rabbi. Lila Tov, good night. Lila Tov.